Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Poetry to Your Ears podcast and today we're joined with uh, by a very special guest Hiya <laughs> Ellie Yes, Ellie <laughs> And you go by the poetry name, the um, poet's name Aphrodite's Teachings on Instagram Excellent Take it away Ludu Yeah, and uh, the usual Ludu <laughs> Resident poet yeah. <laughs> and this is the first time we've had a guest, of course. We were talking a little bit about that before we, we came on. So thank you for joining exciting. us. And, uh, <laughs> no problem. And uh, you, you live in Brighton? Yeah, Based so Brighton? Um, I live in Brighton for university. Um, but I really do see it as my home. I'm from Norfolk originally, so lots of, lots of nature, lots of farms, lots of nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and you moved to Brighton for your studies? or? Yeah, um, so I study psychology at University of Brighton. Oh, great. And that does, how does that uh, tie in with your poetry writing, if at all? Oh, well, how much time do I have left for it? Um, absolutely none. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I actually put the poetry over the uni sometimes, but we don't tell my tutors that. Yeah. <laughs> I think like all of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so what's the first poem uh, that you've selected, Eloise? Because you've found Ellie online. Indeed, on right. uh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to make a bit of a note actually because during some of the uh, research leading up to this, and uh, we introduce you as uh, the host of a, a poetry reading night, which in is Brighton, Ella on, on the water. Ella, front. yeah, no, Ella, yeah. yeah, yeah we, I mixed up the we two. We got mixed up in the in yeah. the research process. Yeah, so I think we we originally briefly met at Words by the Water, um, hosted by Ella, which is a really amazing night in Brighton, and I'd suggest it to anyone. Um, but yeah, we, we mainly connect over Instagram, talk about poetry to each other. Yeah. On the Instagram poetry community. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you guys met there before or you met online? I'm pretty sure we met there, but briefly. But yeah. I, we, I think we both performed. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so yeah. busy. The, just yeah. The we didn't like talk really afterwards. Yeah. 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 Did you, did you perform that night? Did you speak out loud? Yeah. So it was my first time performing there. Um, but I have performed at a couple of open mics before, but it was I was quite nervous, yeah. <laughs> a bit shaky. And what, what made you want to do like a a live event? Um, I think that with poetry, it's such a solitary art. Um, it's not with with, with painting or, or like any kind of drawing. It's so because it's images, you can be posted everywhere, and people people love it. Um, and like any kind, one can kind of connect with it. Whereas with poetry, I find that. A lot of poetry is for poets, um, so I think I was I was really excited to to talk to other poets about it um, and just meet other people who are interested in the art because, like I said, it's it's so hard to find others. Yeah. Did you start writing poetry before you came to Brighton? Yeah. So I've I've honestly been writing poetry since I was in like middle school. Um, I didn't really call it poetry at the time. A lot of it was like songs, but um, that's never really been my thing, and I've really been into like music I don't play any instruments um and it just kind of developed as I as I got to uni I guess yeah yeah like your poetry kind of started as diary entries yeah really yeah <laughs> when I was a teenager yeah. <laughs> in my notebooks <laughs> I was ranting and sometimes it rhymed and then yeah I feel yeah. like I see that in your poetry though it does come across almost like a diary entry it's very like very just, personal yeah. yeah it's very personal yeah so the poem of yours uh, that we chose is actually from your Instagram stories. 
Just oh, is it? Oh my yeah. gosh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the one about the moon, because it's the full moon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Aphrodite's teachings, untitled. Is that okay to say? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fine. Look at what we have made. We have coated hills and valleys in layers of brick and tarmac. Made the night sky jealous with our blinking streetlights and neon signs. Pushed the darkness away like Atlas, hoisting the world above his head. I take comfort in the fact that the moon sits unremittingly over us, beaming reassurance with the knowing warmth of one who has seen the earth shift and rearrange in a hundred different ways, just to still steadily pull the tides. The stars are not fixed in the sky. The sun will collapse one day. Man-made cities will make jagged layers beneath sprawling forest, and the moon will watch on, unblinking. So I really like this poem because... Me too, I love it. Oh. Yeah, because it's, it's... I haven't tried to write about the moon and haven't found my way in and I really love the way you... the way you did it and the way you made a, a comment about our world now and our society and the way we relate to natural elements, you know? Yeah. And from their perspective almost. Yeah. Like you see her watching us from above. And uh, I think it really conveys the message. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you want to tell us maybe, like, what was the process of writing? What was the first idea? Yeah, so I was actually, it was, I walked home um, from a club night out, actually. I was I was sober, but um, I got outside my front door. And from where I live, I live on a hill. Everyone knows Brighton, very hilly. Um, and I you can just see, like, all the valleys of Brighton and, like, the, the dips um, and how it's, it's quite like a bowl, isn't it? With with layers of of terraces of houses, um, and I was just thinking of how like we like we have literally coated the earth and got rid of all these these forests and rivers, just to coat it with with houses and such human things. Mm. Um, and then right above all of that was the moon, and it was so bright, it was so beautiful, and that was what originally stopped me was just how how beautiful it was that night. Um, and I just wanted to write something. Like I was still outside, I was freezing cold, my hands were getting numb while I was like typing <laughs> it all down on my phone. Um, and yeah, it just really inspired me to, to because it's it's quite comforting knowing that all of the the, the aches of humanity and all of the the struggles that we have we have gone through will be will, will disintegrate. There'll be nothing, and it will be like the pain was never even there. Um, and that's the p- the pain we've caused to the environment, to animals, the pain we caused to each other will all be gone. Um, and I, I, it was weird because I wanted the moon to be, I wanted it to still be a celestial figure, but I still actually humanised it quite a bit, which wasn't really the aim. But um, I also quite like the, the the way it beams. It's quite a, like a motherly, a reassurance of of some a figure again that will will stay fixed there, whether it's like in your memory. Um, or actually really there, <laughs> which is, um, yeah, it will just be there forever. <laughs> Something very strong and permanent and huge still that lingers over. Yes, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Would you make links with the way um, in which when we make art, we're trying to have something out that will stay, maybe? Yeah, definitely. 
I honestly hadn't even thought of it like that, but I think that's such a that's such a really beautiful um, interpretation of it. Um, yeah, because I think legacy is such an important thing, especially to humans. Um, we 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 talk about it all the time. It's such an important aspect of of art and of media. And like when we look back at like like cave paintings, what we think of is we feel that that thing in our heart of knowing that human legacy I- exists. Um, and maybe that humanization of the moon is our legacy. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of um, like a Chekhov tactic for writing about the weather and nature. You know, he said uh, a trick is to anthropomorphize it, like you're saying, add those human characteristics to natural elements, and it really makes humans uh, pay attention to them. Yeah. <laughs> it makes them, yeah, I mean, literally, it does, it humanizes them, right? For yeah. us. We're more interested in nature if we think of it as a as a being. Yeah, that's you know? so true. And of course it is it is alive. I think know, a big part of poetry is doing that. Really? Yeah. I think so. Like humanize or giving maybe intentions to things that don't necessarily mm. you know, kind of what is the weather teaching us? <laughs> 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 Do you think most of your poetry you write it in a in an instant on your phone what's the your writing process yeah it's definitely like i'm i'm usually struck by an image or some words and i just again like just it's, it's so handy having a phone i know a lot of writers this is a bit of a random um thing but um i just think a lot of writers are like very oh it has to be in a book it has to be in a book but the the ability to have that thought and just write it down immediately is so useful to me um, because I forget everything. Like I, afterwards by the water, the uh, the live poetry event that we've both been to, um, I was inspired by at least three things in that, and I had them all in my head. And I was like, as soon as I get home, I'm gonna write them down. Mm. I forgot two of them. Mm-mm. I had one poem left after it, and I was like, I wish I just sat there and written it mm. through the event, um, and just done something with it because they were such beautiful thoughts. And I'd love love to share them, but they were gone. Um, so yeah, I definitely I'm definitely not a methodical kind of writer in any way. I don't really apply massive amounts of technique to anything. Um, it's just it all comes from from hearts and feelings and images. Yeah, I really relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> you have a similar style. Yeah, so many thoughts I never used because I just forgot them. <laughs> and now I, I try and write the thought down and. You, it makes poems that I would have never written before. I, I, when it comes to my writing, I'm the opposite to you two. I'm, I'm more like a dentist. <laughs> I have to sit down and work for three hours in a book. Yeah, yeah. yeah you you seek the thought, kind of. Yeah, I just have to... You just let it come. Yeah, I'm worried if I wait for insp- inspiration, it will like never come. You know, but you two are lucky. <laughs> you have talent. <laughs> you get the yeah, struck by I lightning. Think, I think everyone has thoughts, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and images that you can draw on. But yeah. maybe I think that's kind of the medium of poetry compared to novels, because you, you wrote a novel, which is more kind of story-driven. I think a lot of poetry is just an image and trying to describe that image like a painting almost. Yeah. So that kind of flipped you upside down with your 21 day challenge that people, listeners of the show will know about, but uh, Ellie hasn't heard about yet. It's, uh, do you want to tell Ellie about your 21 day challenge? Yeah, there was a, an opportunity by uh, Bookleaf Publishing mm. to do a 21 
days challenge of uh, poetry writing. So you write one poem a day for 21 days and maybe you'd be picked up to be published. And so I did that in December and I had to come up with a new idea and a new poem every day. And because a lot of my uh, poetry is not thought out. Yeah. You know, it's just um, spontaneous. Yeah. After a while, I was just like, it's not coming up. I have nothing left. I have no yeah. ink. <laughs> and then that's why kind of, I would say my craziest poems came up, you know, because I had to go beyond what I know, you know, what is, what feels, I don't know, comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> no, that makes complete sense to me. I I would really struggle to do 21 days of writing. It's, it's quite strange because some days you can write like three poems in a go mm. and then other days or, or weeks pass and you've written nothing. Mm. Um, and that's definitely, that's definitely how I do it. It's just where if it, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, there's nothing to give. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And what, do, what would you say some of the themes that you're interested in writing about generally in, uh, in your poetry? Um, I'd say that like I'm really interested in the idea of of the female gaze. I always try to give my poems a female gaze, but I know that that's quite a hard thing to define. Um, but I always see a female gaze as as like the application of what is seen as the feminine, so empathy, um, like to poetry as well as or like nature. I think I use a lot of nature in my poem. Mm-hmm. Um, I use I use every sort of part of the environment. I use the, the moon, the planets, I use the, the, the trees and flowers, that kind of thing um, in my poetry a lot. Um, and I know that's heavily associated with femininity. Um, and I also try to, when I talk about, I talk about um, relationships a lot, I talk about um, love and I talk about sex as well. And I try to give the poems, I think a lot of people assume women are like passive receivers of, of romance. Um, and I try to say, even if I am receiving, that does not mean there is not any thought behind it. I haven't. I've put myself in this position, um, and I am calculating my moves just like a man does. I'm just doing it in a receiving position. Um, so yeah, I like to include that as well. <laughs> yeah. So just emphasizing kind of the agency. Yes. Yeah. Agency. Really, really kind of. I don't want to say spelling it out, but <laughs> but kind of making it explicit, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Is it to balance the fact that for a long time, romantic poetry was mostly written by men with women muses? Yes, exactly. Um, like, I think that I was reading, I've been reading All About Love by Bell Hooks recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks a lot about the differences in gender's um, approaches to love and how although women are the main thinkers about love female thinkers about love it's it's never like intellectualized like women are not although they they spend the most time thinking about it they are not the voice of authority on love men are still the voice of authority most books written about love that are successful are by men not women um and i think that that's completely r- wrong i think that women have a lot more to say on the subject than a lot more authority and just because they maybe more longing for love whereas the men who are speaking about love are men who have like have love or Mm. say they receive love um that doesn't necessarily mean that they have the right to not the right but they have the 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 correct no not even correct because like like the authority authority. yeah just the authority yeah yeah Yeah. you wrote a poem about sappho or inspired by yes yeah do you think you try 
how like how inspired are you from uh queer poetry or seeing queer love yes um queer poetry is really important to me um i mean queer lovers as well i think that i think that sappho is she's such a beautiful poet um and it's really beautiful how she has re- redefined queer love in our generation now because obviously what she wrote originally was basically torn apart um because people realized she was a lesbian um and they weren't okay with it um and i think that we've kind of it's it's a form of rep- reclamation to love her poetry and to reread her poetry um and i i i've spoken my poetry about the the sign of the violets um which was which became a metaphor for queer love between lesbians um i think in the 80s um yeah i am really inspired by by queer love and i think that it's really important to put that in poetry as well like i'm a bisexual woman i do talk about men a lot because it's easier it's more it's more accepted in our society but i try to write about both and actually the poem that i'm going to read does have about is about a woman um yeah i think it's important to show both sides of that um especially because bisexual poetry i think specifically is not really a it's not really a thing like queer poetry yes but it's hard to write bisexual poetry because a lot of things about either a man or either a woman mm. um but i think to give bisexual people that sort of the, the the necessary platform we need in society it needs to be a more widespread thing mm. well we make an anthology then yes <laughs> oh my god i'd love that <laughs> <laughs> Great, and uh, um, I'd really like to hear the poem. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, okay. This one also doesn't have a name. <laughs> um, should I, do I want me to read it or do you want to read it? Yeah, read it. Yeah, okay. Um, so this is Untitled by Aphrodite's Teachings. I am one foot in and one foot out, semi-permanent and stuck. A ghost of a peat bog body, staring at a preserved form, lifted from man-made mud. Maybe she will lift me out, like you did, and he did before you. Maybe she will push me back in, like you did, and he did before you. When you realised how many parts were missing, sunken into blackness. Man-made, for men by design, to use and want and discard. So many helped in the dig. Even my own hands, guilty of leaving dirtied prints on the hilt of the spade. She calls me Angel. It is hard to imagine seeing my coating of muck. She calls me Moonchild. It is hard to see when I flicker more like an envious candle. I don't think she would touch anything man-made. I don't think she should have to. I think she would leave the shell and take the spirit. Silver and cosmic, we would ascend. Beautiful, <laughs> marvelous. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's interesting, like you say, this uh, this use of the the ground as metaphor as well. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the the pit hog? Peat bog. Peat bog. Yeah. <laughs> <wanna> explain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love your accent when you say it as well. It's so cute. <laughs> Yes. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said um, earlier, I'm from Norfolk. Um, Norfolk is home to the Broads, which is like our big attraction. Like everyone goes boating on the Broads, but there are actually old peat bogs. Um, and peat is a type of like dirt, basically, that was used as, if I'm correct, I believe it was used as fuel. 
um, and then was discarded um, because they had coal. Um, so peat bogs were completely man-made, uh, just dug out, basically kind of like trenches. Um, and they ended up, it ended up being turned into the broads, which is like now a, a like a wildlife area. Um, and I'm really inspired by it. Um, I was just like nature and and something I love the idea of something man-made being reclaimed like that was another part of the the poem that you guys read um earlier it's like the the idea of the the earth reclaiming what we have like left on it mm-hmm. um and I just I was thinking about bog bodies as well do you guys know about bog bodies no <laughs> okay so um basically bog bodies are the bodies from centuries ago found um, and they're really well preserved in peat bogs um, because of the the dirt. Um, so they know historically a lot more about it. Um, so I like the idea of me being like the the bog body, basically. Mm. Um, and you kind of it's like about being kind of an exp- exploration, like a, an archaeological dig. Mm. Um, yeah, into into me, and I'm kind of like well preserved, mm. but also in bits. Wow, so. Visual, so graphic, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the evocative. It's like some elements of science. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you've got a note here. It says um, you perform poetry at a Labour Party. Yeah. In Lewis. Yeah, so I am one of their poets in residence. Um, so my friend Kofi, I think you met him at Words by the Water, mm-hmm. um, and we we performed uh, two poems each, and then. A, we both wrote a poem throughout the day that we performed at the end. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah. Oh, that was okay. really interesting. It's like Almost a residency kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, although they don't put on like massive events, it was really it was a really beautiful event. Um, it was about like the new visions that the Labour Party can, cre- can create. So I'm very political. I think most poets are. Um, and I just we we were talking about a new vision for Labour that is there for people. Um, it has the welfare, but it's also like engaged in in this kind of demographic um, rather than like we don't want to go back to the old labor, but fuck Kistama, fuck new labor. They're not helping anybody. They're just Tories in in uh, sheep's clothing. Um, and yeah, we had some really amazing uh, speakers. We had Anne Pettifor, who wrote The Green New Deal. Um, she was a fantastic speaker um, and Jeremy Gilbert as well. Um, and it was a really, it was a really beautiful setup of of thinkers and poets. So like the thinkers would 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 tell us their um their plans for the future, like economical, um and the social and every kind of idea for the for the UK that they could have. And then in between, we split that up with some art. Um, and it was just a beautiful idea of like minds um coming together. So what was the theme of your poem for this? Uh, you 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 said you wrote one of the poems during the event and. Did you feel pressure to um, represent, you know, like political ideas or ideals within the poem? It couldn't just be a pretty poem. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'm not. It, it was quite interesting as well because I don't actually really write many political poems. Mm. Um, That's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, um, and the ones I do, I don't know if you saw Fallen Colossus. Um, that that was even that was very much all a metaphor. It wasn't very outright this is about socialism mm. <laughs> um so it was it, it was challenging um but i actually really enjoyed it and i didn't feel massively pressured i think because i knew that everyone was so supportive um of me anyway 
Mm. Um, and I definitely feel like I, I did a very good job. I was very happy with what Great. I created. Yeah, yeah I really That's enjoyed good. it. Do you think political poetry is something you want to go forward? I would with? love to do more political poetry. I think, again, it's it comes down to, to inspiration. Um, I think in my in my daily life, like I said, I'm quite inspired by nature, I'm inspired by love and relationships. Um, and although I, I am very interested in politics, it's not one of those things that can be so, that is always so moving. You're, you're not often met with moving politics nowadays. Um, I think because of the way that it has been created to kind of bore us, like the PMQs, they're not made to be interesting to us. They're they're made so that no one, everyone switches off the TV and no one pays attention to politics anymore. Keir Starmer's literally like a wet blanket. Boris Johnson's about the same. Like they're not compelling people. Whereas this day, the the Lewis Labour Party, it was so compelling, um, and I found it really easy to write because of that. Mm. Do you think that maybe adds like a female female gaze to politics? Yes, a hundred percent. Oh, the female gaze needs to be in politics. That's what one of the poems I I wrote was about. The first one that I wrote at home is about reimagining the the economy. Um, and the all of all the speakers for the reimagining the economy section were women. Um, and I didn't actually know that at the time of writing it. Um, I thought that one of them was a man, but no, they were all women. They were all there to talk about um. About like Anna saw, like I said, Anne Pettifor, the Green New Deal. It was about the environment. Um, and who is heading all of the fights for the environment? It's women because we are so con- so much more connected with nature um, because of the ideas of masculinity and femininity. Um, that we are the ones heading the fight for the environment. If you look at the, the Green Party, so many women. Caroline Lucas. She is, she, although she's a lot more liberal than my taste. She's a boss bitch, um, <laughs> and <laughs> she is girl bossing as hard as she can. Um, for the environment, yeah, I think it's I think it's really important that we that we point that out and also like revolt as women and like, w- w- women are often the leaders of revolutions or the front lines of revolutions. Um, yeah, and I think that's really important to to put the female gaze there. Mm. I think it's kind of I don't know if you heard of the term of ecofeminism. Yeah, I definitely have. Yeah, I think to me it's that in a nutshell because we see politics they're presented as this objective thing that is really serious yeah and that uh we have to treat as sacred but in the meantime very few people engage in politics yes and they don't feel like it concerns them when it is everyone's lives we are all affected by the decisions that are made on us to which we feel very personal and have a lot of emotions about yeah you know when like if you if you lack some money and uh, you feel depressed about that, you feel really anxious. It's very personal and we feel emotions about that and may, you may express that in poetry, but I don't know why that can't link back up to decision-making. Yeah, exactly. I think that you're completely on the nose there. Um, it is such a, a thing for politics to be seen as, again, like a man's thing. It has to be logical. It has to be scientific when actually... Every single person is affected subjectively by it. We're not affected scientifically or logically. We're yeah. we're affected in our everyday lives. It, it's and bad. In our for bodies as well. Right? Yes. Yeah. Women's bodies, men's bodies, we're all affected. Mm. Do you do you believe that you know when you w- were writing the poetry for the event and do you, do you feel like there is a power to poetry to be able to move people politically, to be able to move opinions, to be able to 
make people empathize with a point of view perhaps um is there what's the role of poetry f- in politics i love that question so much um <laughs> i i i'm going to say i don't think that personally what i did at that event was a i wasn't doing it as a leader in a sense i wasn't trying to lead anyone's views on anything what i was trying to do was turn everyone else's views into a poem mm. and kind of feed it back to them so it was almost like summar- summarizing it but like making an art making it something that people could get behind mm. um and i like i like that more because i think that that's maybe the more socialist way to do it because i'm not i'm not trying to be i'm a mouthpiece i think i was trying to be a mouthpiece for the event mm. um but i do think that poetry I think that they weren't sure it was going to work when they invited us to do it. It was it was very rushed. They told us like two weeks before, basically, um, that they wanted us there. Um, and I think it was kind of like a crazy idea to have poetry as well. But it worked so beautifully. Like I said, it was a, bu- a beautiful mix. Um, like the art in between just really, it brought people's emotions back to the event and pulled people in mm. um, back into the politics. And I think that's what we need, that entertainment level. Mm. Um, yeah, to, to keep people interested. I wonder if you say the same poem in a different context, that's not a Labour Party event, if that might make people f- think of the world a bit differently, you know, open some doors about how to understand the world. Yeah. I think it depends on context. Then maybe this context, it was more like, okay, we're trying to think, but also let's sit and see how we feel. Yeah. Almost like a meditation. Yeah, but you said... You said you felt like it was kind of reflecting people's views in the poetry so it was active listening and collaboration almost yeah yeah it's really interesting right yeah yeah it's how how did you get involved with that like how did they get in touch with you um so i go to another open mic night spoken word lewis um that's hosted by the fantastic janine booth um she she goes by she used to go by big j um and she's always been um a poet basically Uh, she's very talented she has a lot of connections um and she's basically kind of been like my my mother in the poetry world um Mm -hmm. and yeah that was where mark um found us and he'd he'd been watching our poetry through the weeks Mm -hmm. and then was like yeah do you guys want to come do this for us Mm. yeah it was really cool how would you say performing live like how does it influence your poetry what do you what do you find in it I'm actually very nervous performer. Um, <laughs> I I get quite shy actually. I was shaking when I was reading my second poem, but I think it's the it's that kind of fear of judgment, um, especially with like I said, it was the, it was a challenge for me to write through the whole day. I hadn't been able to sit and think this is good. I was like, what if this is really bad? Mm. Um, and it was really it was really validating, obviously, to have everyone clap and. Um, and it was quite, I felt almost on fire at the end of it. I think I'm very fervent in my reading. I get really into reading my poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, like the emotion fully comes out of my voice. And I really hope that that came across because it, it was really meaningful to me. Mm. Yeah. Great. It'd be good to see you live at some point <laughs> in one of these events. Yeah, yeah. I'd love that. It's good. I'm, I'm glad that you're bring into the listeners places where you can see poetry live as well because yeah. like you say it's very often a solitary thing it's you know something you're reading it read in a book or listen to or something like this so yeah. it's good to have uh, a community around Creating it as well poetry communities yeah is important yeah because 
between all our bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> they are common spaces we can share. Exactly. And this pod- we're trying to do that with the podcast, I think. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a really beautiful idea of you guys. Um, I think it's so important to like bring poetry into this generation. Yeah, like um, poetry p- yeah. core again. You know? <laughs> Real poetry as well. Like, no offense to Rupi Core, but we don't want any of that. We want like. We want to. Uh, that's actually kind of mean, but I want. <laughs> we did. We did put uh, Rupi Kaur in the podcast. Did <laughs> <laughs> you? Oh, I don't. I can't. I just think that. Um, I think there's a lot of poetry at the moment. Like you can go to Urban Outfitters and buy poetry. Mm. Um, and respect to the artists, but I think there's a lot of again, like I talk about like liberal and girl boss shit a lot i hate it with a passion um despite the fact that i think a lot of people think i'd fit into it but i think that we need to bring back real feeling into poetry i don't want poetry to become like pink and marbleized i want it to be still be feelings um and apply to to every person um and not just kind of like become middle class like a lot of arts become yeah i think that's Definitely something that I'm trying to do. You don't need to be an expert in poetry to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And we're trying, you know, because there's the pressure in doing a poetry podcast of what kind of poetry we're going to feature. And we're trying to just stay every time, like, how are we experiencing poetry in our lives? Yeah. And not make it an exhaustive course. Yeah, exactly. I don't want it to be a university course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want it to be how... Yeah, how important is poetry in people's and how can we express our emotions better through this means, but maybe not this means, but f- I don't want everyone to write poetry necessarily if that's not what's good for them. Yeah. But be in touch with how they're feeling and their emotions and expressing themselves and communicating in whatever way. Absolutely. I love that. And... um. Do you have any aspirations for the future of your poetry or your future as a poet? Um, I always say I, I want to write a book, but I think that's literally every poet's <laughs> desire. Um, I, 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 after the Lewis Labour thing, I kind of realised that I could do more with my poetry than just like show up to a few spoken words, maybe. Um, I'm really inspired by, this is where I forget her name, um, Aflo, the poet. Uh, oh, I know wow. that yeah. <laughs> I'm writing an article <laughs> are you? about her right now for <laughs> the Badger. very interested in getting it's her on the show at some end point. Of January, I'm yeah. sure she'd love to. She's a very friendly um, yeah. lady. Um, she writes a lot of poetry for, for the, I think for the city, actually, for the council um, or for like community groups. Um, and I think that's really cool. I think that's sick. I think that's what we need to be doing. Mm. And that protest as well. Yes, that protest. Yeah, exactly. She was at the um, the Sarah Everard Memorial, wasn't she? Mm. Yeah, and she yeah she does a lot of kill things for Kill the Bill as well. Mm-mm. Yeah, some more of that. Yeah, revolutionary poets <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> being engaged in the in the city. Yeah, yeah. Bring back the spirit of the nineteen twenties to the. It's so cool that Brighton has all these poets. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, it's, we know it's as a creative like, hub, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> but to see it in person, it's really cool. It's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually yeah, we hope that this podcast would be like a little place for poet to listen to each other. Oh. <laughs> uh yeah, and we're just about running out of time, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. I think that 
Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and hear your thoughts on poetry and your poetry. Thank you guys for having me. I've I've really loved this. It's been really great. Oh, great. And where can people find your poetry? Yeah, so um, Aphrodite's Teachings on Instagram. I know it's hard to spell, but um, (laughs) you'll get it. It'll be in the description. (laughs) Yes, there we go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So... Thank you, Lily. <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Poetry to Your Ears podcast. And you can find us on Instagram, Poetry to Your Ears, and um, Ali on Aphrodite's teachings on Instagram. All the links will be in the description. And see you next time. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>